0: Hey, Jonathan here. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to let you know that it was really long, so we decided after we recorded it to break it into two parts. We're going to talk about systems for building an authority business, and there are seven topics that we cover in the complete episode. This week's going to be part one, writing, research, client work, and sales, and next week we'll continue with marketing, admin, and health and well-being. All right, here's the show. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark
1: and I'm Michelle Moulton
0: and today we're gonna to talk about systems you can use for building an authority business yes so this is a follow-on from last week's episode with James Clear we talked about his new book atomic habits and oh by the way that was our <laughs> 50th episode Yay! Yes, it's kind of ironic or coincidental that one of the big things we talked about was focusing on a a system and you turn around and before you know it, you've got a 50 episodes, basically an entire year. And I don't know about you, but we haven't missed a week and it hasn't felt really hard at all.
1: Yeah, it's once we got started, I think the beginning was we had to figure it out. And then by episode one, we were rolling.
0: Yeah, right. It's great. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the systems that an authority business owner, let's say, would almost surely need to have set up in their business. You have a great list there. You're going to sort of tick off the list of the different categories.
1: Yeah. Again, we're talking about building authority. So writing, research, client work, sales, marketing. And those are two different things. Sales and marketing are separate things admin, you know, any administration pieces of the business, and then a sort of last bucket that maybe you call your health or your investment for the future, where you're taking care of yourself so you can keep adding to the business and you have a future career.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. As the singers in my musical past would say, caring for your instrument. (laughs)
1: <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> I mean, you want to just start at the top and and work our way down, maybe tell some anecdotes about what we do in this particular subject area.
1: You know, before we start this, I just want to quote something that James said, which is that we don't rise to the level of our goals, we fall to the level of our systems. I was really struck by that when he said that in our interview, because I think it's so true. It's underlying systems are what help us to be successful long term.
0: Before the show, we were sort of going back and forth about how you have great systems and you're like, no, I'm totally I don't I hate systems. And then and I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm the one who's disorganized. And you're like, no way you get tons of stuff done (laughs) like (laughs) like from the outside, it seems like. It seems like perhaps from the outside, people can see more organized than they actually feel or something like that. But it's just comical to talk about. So let's kind of like open the kimono, so to speak, or be transparent about the different things that we each have going on or not in uh, each of these categories.
1: Okay. First with writing?
0: Sure. We, We talk about writing a lot, so I won't belabor this point. But for me, writing is absolutely the most important thing I do for my business I can't imagine not writing every day like I mean, well, I can imagine it, but it would be damaging. It would be seriously damaging for two ways. One is that I would uh, imposter syndrome and it would feel depression is strong, but it would be very demoralizing to not be getting that hit of dopamine when I press send on that daily email like I love it. I just love pressing send on that email and checking that off my list and saying, you know, I did it again. I did it again. I'm, I'm walking the walk. I remember how terrified I was committing to a daily writing habit. I thought it would surely destroy me or it just like lightning bolts would come down and rend my limbs. But I know no one believes me when I say this, but it's really not that hard. It's really not that hard. It's like the behavior of an authority to be writing a lot, at least on a regular basis. And as we've said on previous episodes, for me, like writing daily is so much easier than writing weekly. But I know you disagree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, because everybody has their own style and what works for them and feels good for them. And for me, it's writing once a week. And I've got a some call it rigid, because I have a uh, client work that can intersperse or can come up at a moment's notice. I like to block put blocks around my time for writing. And so for me, that's Monday mornings. It makes me love the start of the work week, because I'm doing something that's creative, but that's serving. And I like that combination. So I agree with you. Writing is also the single most important thing I do for my business. And, you know, it was interesting this summer because I've been working on this book and I took, it was about six weeks off from weekly blogging. Now I, I rehashed some of the uh, top performing pieces in that six weeks, but I basically took it off from writing. And when I started again for the blog writing, It was really difficult at first. It's almost like why you do daily writing because you get in that habit. I found myself really second-guessing, like, what does the audience want to hear now? This is what I showed them. It's the beginning of September. What do I want to write about? And I I must have had, like, five different ideas that I torpedoed. And I didn't even put them on my backup list because I was was convinced they were just ridiculously stupid. And then so it took me two or three weeks to kind of get back into – the habit of it, in the sense of how the ideas would flow, and now I'm there. But I, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. It's it's too hard to get back into it. I, I I was so excited to have those six weeks of quote unquote freedom from doing something every week, and it was just it was too much.
0: I took a break this year, did a best of for nine days when we went on our family retreat, and I didn't have the same experience. It's it's wild. So like when I got back, the whole time I was gone. I was gathering ideas and then when i came back i wrote like five or ten emails about the trip so the,
1: the firewood series yeah the
0: firewood series exactly camp wood returns
1: right so
0: right. i wonder if it's just like i didn't i didn't really stop i just stopped publishing i kept writing in my head mm-hmm. you know so what's well, it was a vacation yes yes but you
1: supposed to relax
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, and yet i was writing in my head so okay what systems do you have in place, though? You've got a blocked out in your calendar, Monday morning, you're going to do it. And do you, what do you do? Do you like always go to the same place? You sit down, you've got your tea or whatever. And like, do you have a, a little ritual around it?
1: I, I do. I do. <laughs> Talk about opening the kimono. I write my blog from bed. <laughs> I do. I do. It's like I can't go anywhere. If I'm in my office, I can get up. I can walk around. I just, I stay in bed. And yes, I have my tea and lemon. I've usually already had a healthy breakfast. I love breakfast. So I just sit there and I, and I focus. I don't get up until I've got the idea and at least a rough draft.
0: Mm, nice. And then, so where do you go from there?
1: Well, uh, it depends on how long the draft takes. So if it's a longer piece, I may not finish it before you know noonish, And so that's typically three and a half hours if I spent that much time on a longer piece. And then I've got to take the poor dog outside at that point, if nothing else. If I finished it before that time, which is more frequent, then that's when I do all the parts that I don't like. Because I love writing it. The part that's not so interesting is, okay, so now I have to put this in WordPress. I have to get all the links together, right? I have to put it in ConvertKit. I have to test and make sure that the email thing works and then get that ready to go. And then I write the tweets for that that episode or any social media piece that's going to come up the week that that blog is posted. I write all that in advance, And then I'll write a series of tweets that are not linked to that blog post for the week. So I'm writing typically 12, depending on the week, just for Twitter. And I'll write some others for LinkedIn or Facebook if they're different. And then I send those off to my VA. And then the blog is off my list. And in my ideal world, I get that all done on Monday morning. Doesn't always happen. Um, But if not, I'll finish Monday afternoon. So I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the week. And then I get what you talked about, the dopamine, the sense of accomplishment. I'm like, yes, I I hit. In this case, it's schedule instead of send. But I, I feel terrific. And the whole week for me just starts off on a high.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that. For me, the writing is not scheduled on my calendar. I have an ongoing to-do list a recurring daily to-do list every day these 10 or 11 to-dos pop back into my list and one of them is write the email and even though i would probably remember to do it no matter what if it wasn't on the list it gives me extra added sense of satisfaction to check that thing off there i've gone through streaks where i notice myself getting into different habits with it i do these sort of arcs like where i'll have a series of like a week or so about a particular thing like firewood or measuring intangibles or pricing, whatever. Sometimes I'll get a really juicy idea that's gonna be longer than, you know, usually they're around 300 to 500 words, but sometimes I'll get a really juicy idea that's gonna be like 1,500 words or something. So it kind of changes my behavior about when I write it, but it's almost always at night. uh, It's almost always in the dark. It's almost always in (laughs) like my most comfortable chair in the living room. And sometimes I do it on my phone, but lately it's usually been on my laptop. But the kids are either asleep or very, it's very quiet in the house and I can finally like chill for the day. I totally look forward to it. I'm like, I can't wait to write this email and just sit there and burn through it and immediately hit send. So if you're on my list, you'll see a lot of times you'll get like an email from me at 1 a.m. or whatever, because, <laughs> you know, I'm a night owl. And that's for me, that's like it's probably the time when other people would like go on social media or watch TV or something like I don't do really any of that. It's just ah me time. I'm going to write. So and that's it. I send it. And then that's it. Like there's nothing to fuff with after that. Usually twice a month tends to be the 15th and the first. It depends. But I'll take all of the emails and I have a I wrote an export tool that will pull them out of Drip, which is my email marketing software, my email automation software, and uh, turn them into markdown files that I upload to my website. So twice a month, I'll retroactively post links to messages that I sent out. I think that's the whole process. I can't think of anything else. That's the whole system.
1: But you know what, what I noticed about that, which I think is good advice for everybody is that you, you've really designed this around your body clock. And for that matter, so have I, I mean, I'm a morning person. So that morning time is my best creative time. You're an evening person and you need for the kids to be in bed, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you put those together. That's your ideal time. And I think that's, that's the takeaway is find that right time and that right system so that, that you can be at your best.
0: Yeah. And I I specifically picked email because I knew if I was blogging first, I would just like, I'd be editing them up forever. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I put a I I put a typos disclaimer in the footer of all my emails. Like, like my seventh uh, grade English teacher will be horrified by this message. I'm sure.
1: Oh yeah. I no, I, I get it. I, I, I just found myself doing that yesterday with my blog post for next week and I had everything all set to go. And I realized I spelled your with an apostrophe and it was the wrong version of your <laughs> oh, and it just that. bugged <laughs> it me. Kills me. So I went in and I changed it in three places because I mean, it just if I hadn't seen it, it wouldn't have bothered me. But you know,
0: oh, it kills yeah. me. Yeah. I, yeah I, but there's nothing I can do. So and it happens almost every email. There's there's something like that or there or whatever. It's like I, I type really fast, but I do have a tendency to type f- more phonetically than But too bad because i know if i didn't if i didn't do that if it wasn't an email first it would just be i would never send it it would be i wouldn't be able to get into a routine it'd be too much friction for me i just live with the pain of the typo and occasionally when i'll when i import them to the website sometimes i'll go back through and look for any egregious ones actually the really bad ones i usually remember and (laughs) go and fix them
1: funny how that works
0: yeah okay so that's writing we've probably talked about that enough in the past so let's talk about research next. What do you think about this? Because And I'm stalling because I'm trying to think if I research anything.
1: I, I know, because my problem with research is I don't know that I have a system. I mean, I'm thinking about that. So my system, quote unquote, is I'm a voracious reader and I'm always reading something. And I guess that's kind of my research. I mean, that's where I, I get ideas a lot of times. And it could be that I'm reading like when I work out on the elliptical, I bring my iPad and I read a book. On there. And so, if it's not an escapist novel, and I love those too, then that's where I'm getting ideas. And I think part of it is because I'm physically moving while I'm reading, I, I get some of my best ideas there. And then I'll either put notes on my iPad or the second I get home, I'll start jotting things down. And so, for me, that's the kind of research where it's sparking ideas. I don't think I have a system. See, now, now I'm going to slap myself. I don't think I have a system for deeper research. To me, it again, for me, it's topic related. Like if I want to know more about something, then I'm just going to dig in and start looking at that as part of my day. But I don't have it. I don't have a system.
0: Yeah, me neither. I'm thinking I'm thinking to my behaviors, but they're none of them are systems. They're all just stuff I've I, came to do for some reason. So one is because I'm writing an article every day about a very specific topic, I am I'm constantly being observant. You know what? It's almost always the same thing. I'm always looking for great real-world examples that will snap people out of the way that they think about how they air quotes price their work in an hourly billing way. So I'm always I'm always looking for examples of of that sort of thing. I'm always looking for examples of killer positioning or horrible positioning so it's this vacuum cleaner that's always going you know i'm always sucking up ideas so i guess i do have a system in a sense because i have a place where i capture the ideas which is i open up a draft in gmail and i either take a picture of the thing and put it in there or i'll type up the the ideas like the title of the article whatever the article is going to be i'll be like oh great idea for title put that in there do the notes like oh i you know i saw this uh unisex uh, salon and like oh that gives me an idea for an article and I'd be like okay so i have a capture solution for that but it's not i, I guess i suppose that's a, a very simple system i also read but that's very sporadic for example i'm doing a, an arc right now in my email list about measuring intangibles so i've been going back to one of the best books of all time how to measure anything by douglas hubbard and i've been Rereading that, but I've also, for the first time, I was like, "Oh, well, this guy's still alive." I've never Googled him, and found like a bunch of YouTube presentations that he did. I was like, "Oh, no way!" And he's very scientific. I'm not very scientific. I'm much more anecdotal, and like like coming up with metaphors and and that make things click for people. The danger of that is that I just high on my own supply. I'm just like making stuff up so i like to get input from other people who are are more scientific about it and have done true scientific research because that's not something i've done in the past I, I i say i might do it in the future but i have not done that in the past so people like dan Ariely or uh, you know doug hubbard or ron baker uh, people like that who really do what you know studies and just make sure like that it tracks. like you know am i just making things up or does this track with the research Oh, and one other thing is uh, I will interview people. I'm going to probably reach out to Doug Hubbard, actually, to have him come on Teaching Hourly and talk to him about measuring stuff because he's a genius. I mean, it's like amazing.
1: Maybe a way to look at research is it depends on the authority that you're building. If it's around a book, for example, like when we had um, James Clear on, he talked about that he did three years of research for that book. So if that's what you're going to do, you need a system to do that. The flip side is, I mean, I'm thinking of a pair of clients I have that are really, really deep kind of rocket scientist level experts in their field. And every day they're looking at new research that comes out. I mean, they have a process to to do that and to look at that every day. So I think it depends on how you use research in your practice.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. So we're both probably get a C on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, I give us high marks on writing, but probably research could use some improvements. So, okay. Put yes. A little report card. Agreed. C. All right. Very good. Um, so <laughs> what about client work? What systems do you have in place to make client work bearable? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think I need an upgrade in my system where... I can escape from email more than I do. So I know I'm not going to get an A on client work. But what I do is, we talked about this on our tools episode, I use Calendly for my calendar. And so what I do with a new client, there's typically two key meetings there after they've signed in, right? One is the upfront brand brief meeting. And then the second is the action plan, everything that comes out of the strategy and the brand brief. So those meetings, I've programmed them into Calendly and which days I'm available to do those meetings and which times. So, for example, if I'm working with somebody overseas, we do work in the morning. But a lot of times those meetings, I'll try to get them in the afternoon, which sounds like afternoon is not my my prime time, you know, I'm a morning person. But what I love about the afternoons are that I find clients are really open to the ideas we're talking about, because it's usually shifting. I mean, if everything was working perfectly for them, they probably wouldn't hire me. I try to do those in the afternoons where I can, it's not always possible. But so the boundaries are kind of around that. And then the systems are, you know, mine are pretty simple. I'm not doing day in day out administration kind of Things so for typical strategy clients, I have ticklers that I use in my calendar that says this is due here. Let's schedule this meeting. It's pretty pretty simple. The other kind of work that I do so that's the strategy work. The other kind of work is project work, and that tends to be where I use my VA Kathy. And so I'll give you an example. When I'm working on a website, for example, it depends on what I'm doing. I might be writing copy. If we are managing the whole project, that really means Kathy is managing the day to day. We have a a system that we use in something called Twist, where we share everything that's going on on that assignment. And we have kind of sidebar conversations without the client, without the developer, without the designer. We'll do those kinds of things. I'm still such a heavy user of email, so I'll just package up those emails and ship them off to Kathy when I need them. So clients clients communicate with me and us via email. Kathy and I communicate with each other by email where we have to, but any anything we can put in Twist, we do, because then we've got different uh, channels to be able to follow conversations and threads about different discussions and for different clients.
0: Yep. For me, the, the closest thing I have to client work is my private coaching. That's one-on-one, and I guess you'd call that client work. It's very, very straightforward. So all the communication happens in Slack. We have a scheduled recurring every other week phone call. It's blocked out for an hour. Sometimes it's a half an hour. Sometimes it's two hours, depending on what we have to go through. And at the end of the conversation, I'm like, all right, here are your action items for the next two weeks, and here you go. I put them in right back into Slack so we can both see we're on the same page. Okay, yep, everybody agrees on that list. And then the following meeting, we go down the list. What did you get done? Okay, and mark it off. We either move it to in progress, ongoing, on hold, or done. You know and of course along the way during the two weeks there'll be ad hoc communications usually in slack sometimes over the phone like a scheduled calendly meeting over the phone where they're either stuck on something or something came up that they'd like to get a pair of eyeballs on or they're going to send a proposal out and they want me to review it um, but it's very much the same i don't have to decide how i'm going to do any of this stuff it's the same every time of course the conversations and content is customized to the person but it's in terms of how the communication happens And the kind of rules of engagement, it's always the same. I even have a sort of SOP, like a runbook for our initial kickoff meeting. And there's an onboarding process where they fill out a questionnaire. It's got about maybe 15 questions on it about kind of like a report card where they fill in basic information, but also, you know, what are they looking to get out of the engagement? Um, What experience do they have on these five different points? You know, like writing, speaking, uh, marketing, sales, email automation, so on and so forth. So I've got this kind of dossier and we move forward from there in a very predictable way. Sounds
1: very organized, Jonathan.
0: So that's funny, right? Because I don't, it's like I'm organized because I'm disorganized. So like, I'm not a (laughs) detail person. So if I don't, make a document okay like, hey, here's how it works then i would be burning a lot of useless cycles on like uh, kind of improvising like doing everything on the fly not only am i sure that it would feel like i was making things up as I, I was going but to the to the other person which isn't what they want it would be very stressful to me and like i have like six private students right now like i'd go insane it's oh it's a more of a coping mechanism it's like I feel disorganized, but when you talk about it, it's pretty organized. It's kind of like saying, like, I'm out of control, so I wear this helmet, (laughs) you know? It's like, I have these guardrails all over the place.
1: Yeah, but that's the point, I think, is we create the systems that we need to get our businesses and our lives in order. And what you need might be different than what I need and the next person needs. That's the key. And if if we can recognize the things that we don't do well or that make us insane and manage around them, that's awesome.
0: Right, yeah, I guess that is kind of the point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, there's no apologies needed. I, I, it makes perfect sense to me.
0: The thing that I'm sort of stuck on is, huh. Maybe everyone who's organized feels disorganized. So that's why they get organized. <laughs> I just, I don't know, it's weird. I have the exact same sort of run book type thing for group coaching. I have the exact same sort of timeline for the pricing seminar. It's all the whole thing is to productize these kinds of things to, to make them into something repeatable and something where I can decrease my costs of, of money, time, stress, all of that stuff. And And if I didn't have a plan, then all my costs would be higher both emotional and time costs would be higher so since there's a lot that is repeatable i've got it all mapped out so i don't have to think about it every time i go to do it again and now that i've been convinced by someone to get a va which is the best (laughs) thing ever (laughs) the best yeah i haven't gotten to this point because i've got her working on a particular project but once that's over i could start handing off some of the things on these lists and say, Oh, could you do all of the social media stuff or whatever? You know, we'll get to that when we get to marketing. But yeah, so it, I just can't get over it how funny it is to if somebody asked me if I was organized, I would have said no. But now that we're talking about it, I'm like, well, there's certain things that are very organized.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And And this podcast is becoming one of them. Right. Right. We mm-hmm. have a system.
0: Yeah, that's a great example. We have a particular system for this one. I'm on another show called The Freelancer Show where I'm just one of multiple panelists and there's a very clearly defined system for that one. I have a different system for Terrifying Robot Dog and a different system for Ditching Hourly. I'd say Ditching Hourly is the most random one that's sort of like, you know, I just do an episode when I've got something that I feel needs to be said that doesn't fit into this show. So now that we're doing this, my Ditching Hourly episodes of my output there has gone down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they all have a system. I suppose you kind of have to when other people are involved, because you have to at least have some kind of appointment plan and some sort of, you know, be in a quiet room, have a professional microphone if you can, so on and yeah. so forth.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, cool. So can
1: I talk about sales? sales yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to define what I think of sales. Sales is, is that one-to-one, or I, I suppose it could be one to many if your client is a corporation and you're working with a team, but it's that one-to-one touch point and how you generate sales, how you manage the sales process, and how you close. That's how kind of I think of it. So I mean my system is is pretty simple. The outbound marketing that I do, the writing, the social media, all those things brings a certain Activity over the transom. And so a lot of my sales is what you might call reactive, one to one, where somebody says, I'd like to work with you. What are my options? And if they've gone through the website, they might have self selected. Other times, you know, we have a conversation. So I've got a very specific process that I follow, but it's simple. It's that we're always going to have a conversation. It can be on the phone or it can be a video call, Zoom or Skype. If the person would like to do that, I'm happy to do that. And then during that call, which we've and we've talked about what that call looks like on some of our other episodes, I'm trying to figure out what it is that they want, and I'll make some observations. If it's appropriate, I'll do a proposal, and then I'll create that proposal, get the proposal to them, and then... If they don't say immediately, yes, let's start, then I build in, again, in my calendar, kind of a tickler system to check back in based on our conversation and what they wanna do and when.
0: Yeah, I, you just described mine too. Like That's exactly what I do. So you do this sort of, publish all this stuff out into the world, make it clear that there are things that people, ways that people can engage with you. A lot of times that like, you'll get an email, hey, I'm interested in working what's the best option maybe a, an email back and forth, but usually they're like, I think I want to do private coaching or I think I want to do group coaching or so for anything that's not basically, um, low touch, low ticket item, uh, even group coaching, almost nobody contacts me first. They just buy it. But once you get to one-on-one coaching calls or like private coaching for sure, cause that's the most expensive thing, they'll always send me an email and we'll set up a call and we'll do the call, see if there's a good fit, see how it feels. And then if it makes sense, I will, I don't, the thing here is that I don't have to do a proposal because it's the sales page is the proposal. Like, here's what it is. And the phone call is basically there to just make sure that for both of us to make sure that there's a good fit. So, you know, sometimes people will get on the call and the person is just like, they're just not ready. Like they don't have any of the puzzle pieces yet. Like I want to put this puzzle together. I'm like, you don't have any of the pieces, so go get the pieces and call me back. But most people, by the time I think the the price probably filters people out. People come in and they're like, yeah, I've got, I'm focused on this. I've got these services now. Um, I'm feeling these kinds of pains that you talk about all the time. And I'm like, all right, cool, this is going to work. Uh, if you want to move forward, here's the link is on the page. Click there. It'll give you this this thing to fill out and make payment, and we'll schedule a kickoff. It's very clear. What the next steps are when I did do more like project work software project work It was identical to what you just described because there was a proposal involved But same thing email comes in we set up a phone call get on the phone see if there's a good fit If there is say, you know, I think there's three ways we could engage here Is it okay if I get a proposal to you tomorrow with three options? Yep, that's great Write a proposal and I've talked at length about how to write the proposal and I've talked at length about how to have the phone call On other shows and maybe here too. I don't think so though and then if they say yes, great. If they don't, then tickler in the calendar, same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing I'd add that I think neither one of us said, but we both do, is there's a speed element to this. I mean, I feel and this is part of my sort of promise to my potential and future and actual clients is that I want to be responsive and I want to be quick again, for the work I do, a lot of times it's hard for somebody to make that initial gesture because they have to kind of say something's not working. And that's hard to do to someone you don't know. Right. So my reaction to that is to respond fast. I like to hear what they're saying and, and confirm what they're hearing. And I want to let them know that I hear them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But there's a speed element. Like you mentioned that you turn a proposal around in 24 hours. In most cases, we should be able to do that, or maybe we're too busy to take on the assignment. There is a rhythm to this that I think you know you have to keep, and everybody has their own, but I think you want to keep these things in motion. You don't want to let big chunks of time go by. Even if the answer is no, that's okay, but just keep it moving
0: yeah the, the longer you go from the sales call to the proposal the rougher time you're gonna have there's definitely times when i'm like i just know that my i'm like slammed the next two days and i'll say you know this is monday can i get it to you on wednesday or is that too late and it depends sometimes it's not urgent but the, your sort of magic that you worked and the trust that you built in that phone call is gonna slowly fade or actually not so slowly fade from the the time you hang up to the time of your next contact. And if your next contact is supposed to be the proposal, then you should, you get better get it to them. Like, like if we had, if we talked on a Monday, Friday's probably too long. Wednesday would be the latest. I would want to get it to them. Right. Right. If it's a Friday, then maybe Tuesday, but you know, hopefully the next day, next business day, but there, there's a flip side to it that we don't need to go into, but I think there's a a little bit of getting it to them too quickly. I, I think you can get it to them too quickly. Yes.
1: Yes, like you haven't given enough time to think about it and be thoughtful. And I agree, especially with the work a lot of us are doing. It, it isn't the same for every client. The process may, may be the same, but the outcomes are very different. I like for my proposals for my one-on-one work to really echo what they've told me. I, they need to feel heard because then it's easy to say yes. And if I don't get it right, they shouldn't hire me. If I can't get it, No move on to the next person.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I tell if people want to hear more about exactly how I I would run a sales conversation, go to ditching hourly and look for the show called the why conversation. And I I say uh, sort of a more detailed version of what Rochelle just said, which is get their language, ask them these questions, get the language, get every objection you can possibly get out of them, get everything. And then take all of their words as, as verbatim as you possibly can and stick them in the proposal. Yep. Very important. Okay, so that's it for part one. Next week, we hope you join us again to talk about systems for building an authority business, specifically around marketing, admin, and health and well-being. See you then.